All right, welcome to a very special edition of Sounding Off on Soccer. This is the World Cup, the Pittsburgh Extravaganza, the Pittsburgh World Cup Extravaganza. We've got some of our Pittsburgh Soccer Now team members. We're going to get right into it uh, because the World Cup is going to be a blast. We're going to have fun. And today, if you're listening into this, this is John Krasinski, by the way, Pittsburgh Soccer Now, along with, why don't we go around the horn and introduce yourselves. Matt Popchuk, Pittsburgh Soccer Now. We're looking. This is uh, Jordan Smith. <laughs> Mark's pointing at me. Uh, is, <laughs> since this is podcast only, you won't see him pointing. But uh, yeah, that's me. Coach at uh, South Fayette. I coach JV. I don't know what I'm doing, but it's fun. <laughs> and this is Mark Asher Goodman's uh, at soccer underscore rabbi on Twitter. I cover for uh, Pittsburgh Soccer Now. And also uh, uh, Major League Soccer stuff uh, on a podcast and a website called Holding the High Line. All right, guys, it's great to have you here. Um, we talk all year round. We talk about Pittsburgh soccer. We talk, talk about the Riverhounds. We talk about Pitt. We talk about high schools, Whippeal. We talk about all the reporters we work with and all the fun things, um, uh, all the uh, the coaches we, we interview. and But now... We're getting, we're stepping out. Actually, I'm stepping back because I just dealt with the intergalactic matchup between Mars and Moon. But now we're going to step, we're going to focus on this world and this world's biggest soccer event uh, that comes once every four years, the men's FIFA um, World Cup. And it's, uh, it's just absolutely crazy uh, to think about. It is November and we are talking World Cup soccer and it is absolutely crazy that the World Cup is being played in. <laughs> uh, and so I, I, that's that's my starting points. But guys, um, let, before we, we're going to have a little fun here. We're going to have a little contest. So we're going to do that in a second. But but before we go around, um, let's just real quick, maybe like a minute or less, your favorite World Cup memory. Uh, why don't we go with uh, Mark, since you're uh, the soccer rabbi. We'll go with you first. Nice. Well, um, my uh, superhero origin story, partially as a soccer guy, starts with the World Cup. So in 1994, I was of the tender age of uh, 17 years old, and the World Cup was here in the United States, and I lived in Los Angeles, California, and I said, my dad and I and my sister all said we should go to the game. So we went out to Pasadena, California, um, and caught a match there in the first round in the group stage. And we saw Cameroon versus Sweden, which was, it was a great game. Um, my, my memory is that it ended 1-1, but that actually wasn't the best part of the story. After the game, at the game, I got a program, um, and then I took the program home with me, and then that weekend, it was the end of my high school, it was my high school graduation, and my mom and my family had had planned for a bunch of other families that we'd grown up with to go to a resort in Oxnard and go stay in Oxnard and um, and like hang out for the weekend and, you know, kind of like say goodbyes and whatever. Um, Oxnard just up the coast. It's not nothing fancy. It's it's on the on the beach, but it's not like a nice beach or anything. And um, I brought my program. I have no recollection as to why I thought I should bring my program, except maybe to read it or something like that. And on like the second day we were up there, as I'm walking through the lobby, there are like all these super fit black guys wearing red and yellow and green jumpers. And I said, excuse me, 
is it possible that you're the Cameroon national soccer team? And they go, yeah, we're here <laughs> training. This is our training hotel. We're training at a college like down the way. And I was like, oh my God, I watch you guys on Thursday. Good luck in your next round game. Can some of you guys sign my program? And particularly, so at the time, the previous year, the 1990 World Cup scoring leader, Roger Mila was on the team. He, at this point, he was like 36 years old. And I said to a guy, um, can you, is Roger Mila here? Could he sign my program? And the guy turns to me and he goes, that's Roger Mila. And he points to the guy standing next to him. And Roger Mila signed my program, along with like half the rest of the Cameroonian national team. That's my best uh, World Cup memory. It's a pretty good one. I don't think any of us are going to top that. No, it's pretty <laughs> wild. Matt, you want to you you want to share any World Cup memory you have? Well, uh, I cannot admit to ever having <laughs> accidented my way into an entire men's national team uh, at any point in my existence. But I mean, generally speaking, um, the '94 World Cup that America hosted uh, is still a very vivid memory for me because that was. Um, that was the first World Cup that I really consciously remember just, you know, consuming as a viewer, as a kid, uh, getting caught up in what the American team was doing. And uh, the Americans actually had one of their more signature wins ever uh, in that particular tournament against Colombia, I think it was. Um, but my more vivid and more personal uh, and thus, I guess, fonder uh world cup memory would have to be the 2002 world cup which was getting going right around the time i was getting ready to go home for the summer from college um i was it was the end of freshman year i don't mind dating myself i'm old i have to come to terms with it eventually um <laughs> but um the usa portugal match was slated for very early on the morning of the day that I was supposed to, yes, the the day, the the day that I was supposed to leave Cincinnati and go back home to Pittsburgh for the summer. And so my one roommate and I, uh, my room who was much more in the know about soccer than I ever could have dreamed of being at that time. um, We committed to getting up early and watching that game live. And as if on cue, a fire drill happened in the wow. that night <laughs> in the middle of the night. I cannot remember if it was true. I cannot remember if it was false or a prank. It is immaterial, but we kept our word. We, we got whatever sleep we could. We got up early. And while our other roommate who still hadn't moved out yet was sleeping, uh, we watched that USA Portugal match uh, on ESPN. And I can just remember uh, just us looking at each other and being like, what the flip is happening here? Because again, that was considered a monumental, like a, a watershed moment for us men's soccer, them winning that match against Portugal. And, you know, I, I don't know if I would have foreseen that 20 years later, we would still be looking at that 2002 tournament as the high watermark to this point for the men's program. But um, yeah, I, I remember very well watching that match and celebrating uh, and probably being just as in shock as uh, a lot of people uh, elsewhere in the country were. That was a great, great memory and uh, the great 
U.S. T- team. I think they, they kind of came out of nowhere because 1998 was so disappointing and they were young and they were just like, you know what, we've got nothing to lose. And the, the World Cup was in Japan and Korea. And it was just it was an exciting, exciting run. And uh, we could dissect that one all day and to talk about what well, they could have even beaten Germany. You know, I think that was that was it was that yeah. close. So, um, Jordan, you're interesting because your your generation, uh, I'm curious as to your your you know, relationship with the World Cup, especially as a soccer, somebody who grew up playing the game? Yeah, uh, probably my biggest uh, memory is um, the 2014 World Cup, uh, <clears throat> Argentina versus Germany. And uh, I was I went to a, uh, a soccer camp at Cal U, and uh, they had it on. That was the first day when we all arrived to camp. So they had it on. And so we're all watching it in the, I think the basketball stadium, they had it on like a big screen. And so that was cool. I knew nobody there. I I had no friends at the camp. So I'm just sitting there alone watching it. And then after I think like the first half, they said, okay, everybody, it's time to go get uh, lunch or dinner or whatever it was. I forget the time of the game. And I'm like, what? Like, we're just going to miss the second half of the world cup final and go eat like what? And so myself and, and many others stayed, but then I didn't get dinner or whatever. <laughs> so, uh, which I was extremely mad about. And my metabolism at that age, you know, 15, 16 years old, whatever I was, was very fast. So I was absolutely starved and just very frustrated that I didn't get to eat dinner. But I, I had to finish watching it. And of course, Argentina lost, which was sad for me because um, I'm a huge Lionel Messi fan. But um, I am I am part German though, so I mean I was happy I was happy for the Germans, but um, yeah, that was just kind of sad to see Messi lose. But he got the MVP of the tournament, um, which I thought he deserved. So yeah, yeah I, I haven't seen too many World Cups. Um, the 2006 World Cup, seeing Italy win because I'm Italian too. I seen them all uh, sing uh, what's the song Nessun Dorma or something like that, but. Um, yeah, uh, that that's my best story, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and I just I thought about your generation because I watched my kids grow up watching the World Cup, and to them, it, normal it was normal to see the the size and scope, even in the United States, of like people going to watch parties and all of that. Well, I my first memory I'll give two quick ones. My first memory of the World Cup is 1982, and yeah, so Matt, I think I've outdated you. <laughs> Uh, but in 1982, I was about 12 years old and my dad wasn't really that into soccer, but he had a lot of guys that he knew in the Italian, um, uh, it was real, real big Italian American community where, um, he grew up and he was from, and of course, Italy that year also made it, it made it all, you know, made their run, uh, and won the whole thing, but that was exciting. But we were, I'm also half Polish. And he was just super jazzed the fact that the Poland had made it to the semifinal. Um, and, you know, back then it wasn't on really at all, except they would show the semifinals on ABC's Wide World of Sports. So Poland uh, made it, it. They showed the Poland match. And that was like that was like a big deal, because really back then you had, what, five, six, seven, eight channels or whatever it was. And Saturday afternoon, whatever the big sporting event was on, you watched <laughs> The World Cup. And so, you know, ESPN was in its infancy and they had just started to show World Cup games. But that was the first time I was like, wow, we get excited about, you know, the World Cup. 
um, here in the United States. And uh, I thought that was really exciting. Um, and, you know, kind of linking your heritage to that too, like, Hey, you know, I'm half Italian, half Polish, and this is, this is something to be proud of, you know, um, and everybody was got behind those, their, their countries, they're those two countries, uh, you know, in our family. So that was really cool. Um, but, you know, again, it's linked to family. I, I was in, um, I had to go to Florida for a conference in 2010, and had an opportunity to, um, to spend a few days at my mom's house before I had to go to the conference at Disney. And so, of course, it happens to be the day, the last day of the uh, of group stage when the United States um, needed to, to, to win to get in. They absolutely needed to win to get in. And of course, we all know what happened. It's a Landon Donovan's, uh, you know, t- Tim Howard throws that, throws that ball there down. You know, they need that goal. And it's in the 90th minute. And I'm at my mom's house. My mom's at work. There's nobody there. I mean, this is, and, and this happens, the goal scored. And I'm like, I'm looking, I'm like Jim Valvano in, 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 in the, in the, in the um, way back in the NCAA tournament when NC State shocked Houston. I'm like running around looking for somebody to hug. I, I you know, so um, I was all by myself and I, I was just sort of celebrating. And it was kind of like, before, I mean, I guess social media was a thing, but it wasn't a thing like, like it is now. Uh, I don't know. I was just looking for someone to hug. I was just like elated for the U.S. team. And uh, I'll never forget that moment. Of course, my kids were in school at that point. So I couldn't reach, you know, share it with them. I was like, what? Am, because it was like in the middle of the day, it was like, you know, 12 o'clock in the afternoon uh, at noon or something like that. So anyway, that was an exciting. I loved that world cup in South Africa. It was just so much, everything about it was just, just so much fun. Um, and uh, except for the U S result, of course. And, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was a fun world cup. Uh, I enjoyed that one. So that was, that was my, probably my vivid memories of, of the world cup. There's many, many more, of course, you know, having it here in the United States in 1994 was, was incredible uh, and had an opportunity um, to, to go to the Meadowlands and see um, Ireland versus Italy. Of course, that could be the highlight of, you know, one of the things I did, but um, I just, it was just, that place was just, unreal it was uh it was like all the new yorkers kind of mixed in with all these people from both countries and it was just an unbelievable event um, one of the best sporting events i've ever been to so um but yeah so that leaves us uh, one more question um jordan you i think i know you answered this because you just sort of said this but since both guys are still involved um in this world cup is it messi or is it ronaldo who do you who's your guy uh, definitely messy. Yeah, yeah, and and this this doesn't even seem to be good timing for Ronaldo uh, right now. I mean, he he's had tremendous success with his international squad uh, for uh, with his home country Portugal. Um, you know, he's done amazing for Portugal, but it's a it's a mess right now at, at Man United, and he just had that interview with Piers Morgan. Now he's going to get fined like one point two million for what he said. I think. Um, so I just don't think he's in a great place in life right now, which could be a distraction <laughs> for him. And, um, yeah. And, and I think Argentina's team is, is way better. Um, so yeah, I'm rooting for Messi. <laughs> Mark. Uh, I'm a messy guy. Always have been. He's a better, he's just a better role model. Um, his, his life story of, you know, being scouted and then moving to Barcelona, but also getting like, you know, uh growth hormone uh to kind of like help him out so that he could just be kind of a normal size 
um, his perseverance over, you know, a lot of kind of doubters that like, you know, when you're, there's like, you're good when you're, you're good as a soccer player when you're small, but there's a point at which people are like, maybe he's too small, you know? I think that's just a great story. Um, but I think more than that, there's a superhuman power to the way he dribbles the ball that just looks like, um, it it looks like, uh, I think it was the writer Galliano who said something to the effect of like, he looks like it's attached to his foot, you know? Um, that it's it's like superhumanly impossible to watch the way he dribbles the ball so that it's just far enough away from his foot that he can stride forward and just close enough that nobody else can take it off him. Um, I could watch that forever. And I'm really excited about the prospect that next year he might wind up playing for Inter Miami, put me in a car and drive me to Toronto or Columbus or New York City or Philadelphia so I can catch that ball game. I'm a, I want to see this guy in the flesh before I die. Well, there, there was that uh, Riverhounds Messi account that was made <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe he will retire in the USL like Could uh, happen. Did. <laughs> Could happen. Yeah. All right, Matt, Messi or Ronaldo, I, I, these two are kind of winning me over here. Yeah, I mean, I, and I'm sort of trending in that direction as well. I have a lot of respect for Ronaldo and for just, uh, you know, the volume of his accomplishments over a long period. But I also think that Lee Messi has been able to stay at this, stay at a certain level for a really long period of time. And I mean, this guy... Um, I, I can't off the top of my head recall his age at this point, but he's he's not 18 anymore is my uh, is my main point. And he's still able to play at the level he's able to play at. Um, uh, I, I'm leaning messy for for reasons that I'm sure we'll get into later. But uh, no, I, um, you, you know, the the analogy I always use is uh you know 40 year old roger clemens when he played for like the astros and the yankees and some of those teams you know he might not have the 100 mile an hour fastball but he still knows how to get guys out that's kind of what i think of when i think of lee messi you know he might not um he might not have the uh you know the the same vibe about him that some of these younger rising stars have but i will still take his C game, quite frankly, over mm. the A game of 99% of the players in the world. Well, uh, I, 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 first of all, I'm going to say I agree with all of you. I, I mean, he's, I would go with Messi as well myself. Um, I will say, though, phenomenal um, f- physical abilities that, um, you know, Ronaldo possesses. And the fact that at his age, he's doing things, you know, in that Le- LeBron James kind of mode of like, how are you still doing that at that age? Like physically, like some guys have to use their brains a little bit more and things like that. So um, obviously the technical skill, but also to, you know, those type of things, of course, Ronaldo's, you know, skills have, you know, subsided a bit. He's not going to, you know, do everything he used to do um, physically overpower and technically just, wonder uh uh doing the things that he's capable but but Messi, it's just there's just something about him and i think and about elevating his country and i think argentina's in a good place heading into this world cup so i think that 
it, it, it could line up really, really well uh, for him to have a very special um, finish. But, you know, I mean, those the top three or four teams, uh, you know, you, when you t- we can get into this later, but, you know, overcoming and beating potentially France or Brazil, um, you know, uh, or Germany or whoever, it's going to be a challenge. But, um, but anyway, so, yeah, I, I'm definitely a messy guy. All right, last question, and then we're going to get right into our draft. Um, the United States men's national team, uh, Jordan, uh, what do you think uh, their chances? Can they get into the knockout round? Uh, I mean, they could. Um, you know, Wales never backs down. Um, I think Iran's probably the weakest group or the weakest team in, in Group B. Um, but, you know, they, they got to get through England. Uh, and England always finds a way to choke. I mean, I, I'm not a I'm not a, I'm not a hater on England, but uh, right. I mean, they, just do, they just choke. Um, they, they just can't seem to figure it out. So, I mean, they could. Uh, I mean, this is probably one of the better groups they've had lately, and, and they're young. And, and a lot of these guys now, they play not just in the MLS, but for, you know, teams in Syria uh, and some of the other bigger leagues. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Mark? The U.S. team is less than the sum of its parts. This is maybe the most talented U.S. team we've had definitely since '94. Um, there are so many exciting individual players who have had some really great moments over the past couple of years. Weston McKinney is phenomenal. Tyler Adams, when you use him as a like a pure like pressing uh, kind of roving, destroying number eight, is super fun. Um, but there are a lot of problems with this team. Um, I don't really think we ever developed a true number nine. Christian Pulisic is playing some of the worst soccer he's played in the last year or so. He just looks off. Um, you know, the the midfield three, I don't think they've really ever played together. Um, Aaron Long does not convince me at center back. Um, the only thing that I think is great is I think we have some of the best. I think we have three of the best goalkeepers in the entire tournament um, up and down. I think we could loan our backup and our third stringer to <laughs> almost any other country and they'd start. Um, this is my long-winded way of saying we are not going to make it out of the group. Um, <laughs> I actually, I have the weirdest prediction in the world and I bet you everyone thinks I'm crazy and that's totally fine, which is, I think we beat England and lose <laughs> to, and lose to Iran and Wales. Um, I watched oh, Iran it. play a couple times in the last couple months and I really like them. They're a young, fast, attacking, chaos merchant, down the wings kind of team. Um, I have no reason to think why to believe that Wales is actually better than us, other than they play good soccer often and they're tough. They're a tough out. They're just really a tough team. Um, and the US team, as you if you've watched any of the kind of tune-up games in the last couple of months, have really played down to their opponents. Their last two friendlies, they looked awful, you know. Um, and then they've had a bunch of like stuff during qualifying where they didn't look real convincing. I mean, the U S team really, really has scuffled forever. Uh, you know, we were not that far away from another Kuva, Corva, um, uh, Trinidad and Tobago debacle disaster situation, except they kind of got it together for the final, you know, two games of qualifying. So anyways, I, I feel I want to be wrong. I look forward to being wrong. I can't wait for people to tweet at me online and tell me I'm wrong but I don't think we're making it out of the group. Matt? 
Well, I think this team can make it out of the group. And I think that much like it did in um, in that one, to- the, the last tournament where it was in, where it was drafted into the group of death. Um, I, I think it can surprise some people by getting out of the, getting out of its group. Um, but I, I'm not expecting a big run from this team. I, I think it's going to be a grind and I think it's going to take some mathematical help uh, for them to get out of the group. I see a lot of potential uh, on this team and I'll, I'll step back and say, you know, when, when you look at the U S men's team, you know, to me, you know, I, I always think of the team that's, you know, long on promise and short on delivery. Uh, this team is long on promise. I think it's going to be short on delivery simply because I think the promise still needs time to grow and flower and develop. If that makes any sense whatsoever. Um, As I said, a a lot of young talent on this team, which is good. Young is good. Um, I like where the, the program is headed long haul, but, Potential doesn't put food on the table. Uh, I need to, you know, sort of like what Jordan said, uh, you know, you need to see them uh, snap out of it or snap into it, as it were. Now that, um, you know, we're getting going for real next week and, you know, we need to see something substantive on the big stage um, that uh, that lets people know that this program is headed in the right direction. Um, I, I think, though, we are one more world cup cycle off from seeing that. And I think that when the tournament comes to North America in four years and comes back to America, so to speak, um, I think fittingly you're going to see that coincide with the men's program, really starting to make some hay and be fired up by having it on home soil. Well, I, I, you know, I'm going to take a little bit of what Mark, what you said and a little bit of what, Jordan and Matt said, and I, I think that even if for all of the U.S. teams' um, challenges and obstacles and the things that they're dealing with in terms of a, a, a program, um, sometimes you just need to be on the stage. And I think that they're, they're in that position right now. Now, the question is, the first match really is, I think, is critical, is is absolutely critical. I, I think that if they could get a result against Wales, and I don't think they need to win, but if they can get a result against Wales, um, you know, Mark, your assessment is, is that they can, that they, they are going to have a lot of trouble with Iran. Iran. Um, and, and I, and I certainly sense that uh, it's based on some of the things I've seen that I haven't watched Iran play, but um, but yeah, I think that, that this group, we know this group is, based on their uh, talent, uh, is definitely capable of coming away with a point against um, Iran and a point, I'm sorry, a point against Wales, maybe a point against England, and then, you know, going for going for broke against uh, Iran. And it comes down to that. And, you know, Matt, you said it comes down to that. So I do think, uh, you know, they can pull through and, and come out with that. Uh, they need the, they need four, those four points though. Well, I mean, obviously a point against England would be a bonus or anything against England would be a bonus. Uh, I, I just don't think that they can beat England right now. I, I just don't see it, but I do see, you know, potentially 
some kind of four point swing with with Iran and and Wales, and that does get them in. Um, I did want to point out to we uh, you know the. Mark, I think you mentioned that the, the, the goalkeeper situation is very good. And that's why Zach Steffen, you know, is not going to be uh, on this roster because other guys really stepped up their game. And Johnson, obviously, um, Turner is probably going to be the number one guy. But but uh, I just found that interesting that we always have great goalkeeper depth. But mm-hmm. uh, the fact that that uh, Stefan is is not even on the roster, but that brings me to my Pittsburgh segue is that we've had, <laughs> we could have had three uh, players um, in the world cup who stepped foot on the Highmark stadium, pebbles and uh, rubber pebbles and uh, pellets and, uh, and, and field turf. Um, but actually from the U S team, it's only two now. So Brendan Aronson and, um, and uh, Tyler Adams. Uh, so those two uh, were New York Red Bulls. Hey, and- uh, Don't forget, Chris, Christian Pulisic visited his father there. He just didn't play. <laughs> of course, yes. So how can we forget that? So, yeah, hey, we take everything we can get right here in Pittsburgh. Um, so, yeah, no, I do think the U.S., uh, you know, I give them a fighting chance to get out. Um, so, all right, that leads us to the next and the last thing that we're going to do tonight, and that is let's have this a little bit of fun here with this. And as we go through, if you have comments about the teams and whatever you want to say, you know, make it brief. But um, so here we are. Um, so we're going to go and I'm going to do a random uh, draw here uh, because, you know, that's what we do. Um, all right. So now here we are. We're all set up. And um, before we do this draft, I want to make a real special shout out uh, to the mention that Pittsburgh Soccer Now's coverage of the 2022 World Cup is going to be presented throughout the next few weeks into the next month by the Getaway Bar and Grill, where you can watch all U.S. Men's National Team World Cup games, and there will be watch viewing parties at the Getaway Bar and Grill. Uh, For more information, uh, we have blasted all over Pittsburgh Soccer Now, uh, so we're real excited about that. Um, A great meeting point, lots of big screen TVs at the Getaway bar and grill. So we're very excited about our partner for the World Cup. And now we are getting ready to do our World Cup draft contest with all four of us. Uh, I think everybody's ready. We have a we we had random draw and I think it was all on the up and up. Right, guys? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the order uh, for this draft will be uh, first is going to be Mark Goodman of Soccer Rabbi. Uh, Matt Popchock, you, you got the second selection. Jordan Smith, the third, and then I have the fourth. And we'll do a wraparound So as we go through. So the, here's the thing. We have eight groups in the World Cup. All right? You have eight groups. And out of those eight groups, um, we're going to select. We're each allowed to take one team from each group. But we're going to have to do it through the, through the, the draft process. So here we go. We're going to start with you, Mark. You have the very, very first pick in the draft. You have eight groups to start choose from you have who who do you like who, who's gonna i guess this is your world cup pick because you yeah got- i know well so this is my world cup pick and um it's it's not i think it's this bit of a zig when everyone else zags which is normal but not that far off it's it's i wouldn't call it quite a dark horse but it's definitely it's a favorite but it's not everybody's kind of like consensus favorite i'm going to group c and i'm picking argentina and i God feel like i feel like the argentina team <laughs> is no stronger or no weaker than any other year. Um, they're always extremely competitive. They're always very physical. They've got Lionel Messi and what is definitely going to be his last World Cup ever. Um, they've got a number of other talented players. I like this team. All right. So Mark goes Argentina. 
Matt, you're on the clock. Okay, I am going to go to Group F and go with the motherland, Croatia. Croatia. Uh, they were what? yes, they were runner <laughs> up from 2018. Croatia. Exactly. Exactly. They were the under the radar team that year and made it all the way to that last match against France. And they beat England along the way. Uh, they won a penalty shootout uh, for the life of me. I can't remember against whom uh, along the way. I remember watching the end of that match on the way back from our honeymoon. However, uh, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, the but uh, yeah, they last forever. The, the Croatians, uh, I mean, they were they had that third place finish in 98 they had the thing in 2018 um they they seemed to know something about playing in this event that a lot of other countries with bigger soccer reputations and bigger populations don't so all right jordan you're on the clock uh well mark stole argentina from me so uh <laughs> my my next pick is is going to be the rival, although I'm I'm not rooting for them because I'm a messy guy. But it'll be Brazil. Um, although I, I respect Brazil a ton, but I mean every every year they're very good. Every time in the World Cup, they're fantastic. Uh, Neymar's amazing, um, as we know. Um, so I, I'm gonna have to go with them. I think their their group is relatively not that strong. It's the weakest I mean, for sure. It, yeah, I, I yeah, I would definitely say it's it's one of the weakest. So um yeah, that that's gonna be my pick then is Brazil. Well, Jordan, you took my pick and, and Mark took <laughs> his pick. So of course that's what we do in these things. Uh so yeah. <laughs> hoping for Brazil. That's my I have I love Brazilian soccer and I'm a big fan and I, I really think they're gonna go this, you know, they've had some real heartbreak and uh, disappointment and underachievement uh, in, in, but I think this is, this is a really good um, Brazilian group. All right. So I'm going to pick, I, I have to go France. Uh, I just think that just the level of talent uh, is just no way I, I got to go France. Um, so we're going to wrap around, which means I also get the next pick. Um, so that leaves me with, um, Let's see here. Let me see. Uh, hmm. This is where things get interesting, isn't it? Well, we're not even that far into it. Um, geez, I mean, I, I, do we all agree that Group E is the group of death, or is it? Uh, um, I don't know. When do we say one. Group E? Group E. Yes. Uh, this I would say so. I would say so. Spain, Costa Rica, Germany, the three of those teams together. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty tough. Um, yeah, I absolutely think it is. And um, so, but I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to take, um, I'm going to take Germany out of that group. You can never really go wrong with Germany. It seems like they're a good default position. Right? <laughs> they, they seem to win a lot of these. Although I have to say, them picking Mario Goethe to go with them this year was, I think, a big surprise. I mean, he's he's he had that great moment eight years ago, and it's nice to bring a guy back from the World Cup. But that was still quite a surprise for me that he just seemed very much to be a kind of a pick that uh, you know. There, I just thought to myself, there's got to be a guy who's better than him. <laughs> uh, I guess if we're if we're going back in order, then I'm next. Uh, I will pick Belgium. In Group F, uh, I'm hoping they're going to 
knockoff pop chocks Croatians. <laughs> uh, that that's uh, that's my pick. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne um, is solid. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that, I I feel like that's somewhat of a tough group too. I mean, Morocco is probably the weakest team, but Canada's picked it up a lot lately, and so it, it, Belgium and Croatia are probably the best two teams there. So um, should be should be fun to watch. Well, I guess that brings it back to me. And so I am going to go all the way up to the first group, Group A, and I'm going to go with uh, the Netherlands. Um, they're a team, uh, and I, I swear to God, I, I didn't do it just because of the orange kits, uh, although <laughs> they are, they're, they're fun to look at. Um, no, but the, um, they, they're one of those teams that always seems to be in it every four years but can never quite you know get over the hump and with uh, i i i don't think it would I, I don't know if it would be fair to, to use the phrase under the radar team because i mean that generally they do have a great men's program and they do very well um at, at this stage but i don't see too many people talking about them as a contender this year um and uh, to to the point about taking Croatia you know as teams that don't really have expectations can sometimes uh go on a run so um I will take the Netherlands as uh, uh as my uh, darling so to speak of group A all right we're back uh here uh, sorry I had a little technical difficulty um so we are up to mark i believe right that's right i get the snake pick for eight and nine um and i'm excited to take this so um with the eighth pick i'm going to take from group e japan it's a bit of a shocker but this is like a bargain buy that i think when all things are set and done when the dust settles people are going to be like how come we didn't see japan let me explain to you why japan is a fantastic soccer team. They have like no name brand players. There's nobody here who you'll be like, oh yeah, I know him. He plays for da 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 da. They got some like grinders in the German league. They got some um, solid players in Belgium and France and 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 all over the place. But let me explain it to you. They beat the U.S. two to nothing. They after that they drew Ecuador, who I think are going to be very high up in Group A. Um, they also recently had a four win one win over Ghana. And they only lost one to nothing to Brazil. Those are four of their last five matches. Um, and when I watched them against the United States, I was like, who are these guys? This is a fantastic soccer team. So I just fell in love with them. I think they're in a sort of soft group, honestly. I don't think, um, although I don't think what you guys think is are the best teams in um, Group E are the teams that will likely... Uh, uh, make it out. So I'm just very excited about Japan. So that's my eighth pick. Um, my ninth pick is a little bit more classic. It's going to group B and I'm picking England. Uh, they are the class of the group. They are loaded with talent. They've got Harry Kane on a mission of a Kieran Trippier. Um, they're, they're very, very deep with players. Most of whom of course play in the English professional league um, at the top level they are facing off against world-class talent week in, week out. I have very, very little doubt that England are getting out of the group and there'll be no trouble whatsoever. And they may make a deep run um, even into the tournament. Dare I say, I don't think it's impossible that they might even make it all the way to the final. The, the, we've gone this far to, and finally get to England, but 
I, I think that's a that's a pretty good pick. So, all right, we're wrapping back around to Matt. Okay, I'm going to go back into Group F actually, um, and I'm going to go with the Canadians. Uh, there seems to be uh, quite a buzz about that men's program, uh, and it started just a couple years ago during the qualifying stage. Uh, I'm a big, uh, I have a morbid curiosity to see what <laughs> Alfonso Davies can do. Yeah, uh, He's a very exciting MLS player who went on to bigger and better things globally, and now he's getting a chance to play in the World Cup. Should be very interesting to see uh, what he can do leading his national team. And uh, they just, you know, I I remember their qualifying match against uh, against the Americans where uh where they drew and they just i mean they they play fast they play hard they they don't fold like a cheap tent when something bad happens to them um you know they're they're another one of those um you know uh nothing to lose kind of teams that uh could maybe catch other teams napping if they're not careful all right wait i have uh i'm sorry and i take away your your wonderful um I have to disqualify that selection though, because what? you're already in Group F. You already have Croatia. Thank you for the catch. So <laughs> I, I didn't catch that until Canada's back on the board. So eloquent, <laughs> and and I should have caught well back to Group F, and I I missed that. So uh, sorry, Matt. Off, offside, <laughs> offside. Retake the kick. The the three whistle system. Uh, we have the three <laughs> refs in here. I'm, I'm doing the um. The high school official <laughs> offside um, signal because I encroachment. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, all right, Matt. Sorry. No, no problem. Um, oh, the other team. Um, <laughs> um, the other team I was looking at that uh, has made noise in a previous World Cup, um, the 2014 edition. I remember uh, was uh, in Group E, Costa Rica. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it seems like a long shot uh, going with them uh, out of that uh, uh, out of that group of death. But uh, as far as the hexagonal teams uh, are concerned, they're um, they're a very strong team, and uh, they're they seem like a very prideful team. So I'll get behind them. There you go, Los Ticos. <laughs> All right, um, my next pick's probably going to be a shocker. Um, but I'm going to go with Uruguay. Um, why? I don't know. They have Suarez. They have Cavani. And I like Suarez might bite people. He, he might just bite the whole other opposing team. <laughs> and then they're, they're going to win by default because he bites everyone's hand. I don't know. But um, they don't have Diego Forlan. But I think Suarez is going to take his place and score knuckleballs from 35 yards out every game. So that is my bold prediction with Uruguay and Group H. Suarez, I, I still single-handedly my least favorite sock uh, World Cup moment ever is what he what he did um, to Ghana. I, I just still it just rips it just tears my heart out. But he, you know what? You you do what you got to do to win a game, and he did that. Yeah. By, um, you know that. I think he's. And, and and just t basically taunting, you know, eighty thousand African fans in the stands and the Ghanaian 
players and and just that was just the, un, I just an incredible World Cup moment. I will never forget that. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean Uruguay. I mean they're they've got the pedigree for sure. I um, think he was a piece of crap human being until he started to play for Barcelona with Messi, and I think he matured under Messi. I I, I think that's that's true. I, I yeah. I agree with that. So, all right. So that brings us to me for two. Um, and I, you know, I, I think I, I see this team getting, I mean, how can somebody not pick Spain it, it, this far into it? But I know they're, you know, they're not, it's not speaking of 2010, it's not, you know, Indianista, that team. Um, but I'll just, for, I mean, I have to go with the pedigree, right? Uh, so I'll go with Spain. Um, you, you already picked Germany, though. Oh, I but see, see, there were, we're <laughs> offside. Yeah, offside. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm getting ahead of myself. All right, so uh, I will go. Then uh, this is where things are starting to get interesting. Um, maybe going to Brazil's group and taking Cameroon. Uh, oh. I think I'll go Cameroon. So that will be my first of the two wraparound picks. And then, interesting enough, they're always good for at least, a, what, maybe a round of 16. Um, oh, I don't know how I do this and pick against my home country here. Mm-hmm. Um, not my home, home country, but... Uh, is, it, is it me or Argentina and Mexico always end up in the same group? It just feels that way. <laughs> um, but I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with Mexico. Good pick. All right. So that's my two picks, Mexico and Cameroon. We are back to you, Jordan. I'm going to pick in this round. Oh, this is tough. Um, I think I'll go with Spain then. Uh, (laughs) I I, uh, (laughs) called you off sides on your your Spain pick, and I will collect them. Um, Yeah, I'm going to go with Spain. Uh, Just as you were saying before, the pedigree. They're always a good team. Uh, I mean, you talk about developing players at a young age. The the Spaniards know how to do it, and that's why year in and year out, they're always fantastic. Uh, Obviously, I miss the veteran players of of Xavi and Iniesta. Um, You know, those guys not on the team anymore, Um, but still always a very solid squad, so I think they're a smart pick. Matt. Okay, well, um, looking at um, looking at Group B, uh, which I don't believe I've chosen from just yet, um, it, it's um, I, it's fun and easy to to look at the Americans and and to possibly take the Americans. Um, I for for some strange for some strange reason, I'm leaning toward. Uh, Iran playing very well uh, in the group stage of, um, of of the tournament. I think the fact that this tournament is being held on generally speaking, Middle Eastern soil could be Mm. something that has that team fired up. Um, As you guys said earlier, they're one of those uh, very highly ranked globally uh, teams, but not a team that gets the pub that Argentina and Spain and some of the other uh, high-profile contenders do. So I'll go with Iran. All right. Good pick. Cool. 
that gives me with several teams still on the board that I really want. So I'm excited about it. So I get to take Canada in group at group F off the board, um, which makes me happy. So now I can say I'm excited to have uh, Antonio Davies on my team. Um, I think that they're a fantastic team. There's a lot of depth on Canada though. Um, Mark Anthony K who I cover with the Colorado Rapids as a midfielder is just a phenomenal player. Um, Kamal Miller had a really fantastic year in major league soccer. Um, I'll also add Atiba Hutchinson has been low key fantastic forever. He probably won't play much because he's 39 years old, (laughs) Um, but he is gonna probably, if he gets three matches here, he'll, he'll reach his 100th cap um, in Qatar. Can you imagine hitting your 100th cap at the World Cup? What a special feeling that would be. Maybe he won't get it, but even if he gets one cap here, he's good. Um, Jonathan Osorio for Toronto has just been phenomenal. Lucas Cavallini had a pretty bad year, but um, and Kyle Aaron has always uh, been fantastic ever since he graduated from Major League Soccer. This is just a wonderful, wonderful team. Um, they're really fun to watch, and they've been dominant in CONCACAF, so that's con- that's Canada. Um, I get the turn also. Again. I, I want to say something real quick. Go, we go. Should, we should have had a drinking game every time somebody who played at Highmark Stadium was mentioned or something like today. Literally, how many? <laughs> how Mark many Anthony Highmark? K. Mark Anthony K. played for the Louisville City uh, team that defeated the Tartan Devils. Look at you. In the <laughs> Mark Anthony K. I'm and, a lightweight. And the Tartan Devils played at the same field at the same time. That is uh, definitely you have to drink to that. That, um, that is phenomenal. Yeah, playing in the World Cup. So I, I don't know what to say. I, that's, you know, I think that's the Tartan Devils. Pittsburgh soccer was, you know, hey, any connection we can take. So, yeah, I'm sorry. He's yeah no, but- he's great. He's going to start, too. And he's he's a he's a wonderful he's a wonderful guy. Um, all right. And my last my next pick is my my group A pick. Um, and it's a, it's a one that I'm really excited about because they're another one of my sleeper teams. And that's Ecuador. Um, again, another team where it's it's more than the sum of its parts. There are basically no players on the Ecuador national team that you will remember or recognize by name. But I've watched a little bit of South American qualifying. They're a tough out, man. They've been really, really difficult. And of all the world qualifiers, the South American qualifier is the toughest, right? There are five slots for nine teams and they just play each other to death. And it's just, it looks incredibly brutal. And it looks, it always feels like um, two or three teams are getting left out of the World Cup that belong to be there. So if you make it, you belong there and you really deserve it because you had to beat good teams. Like Ecuador had to be better than Chile and Paraguay and Peru in order to earn their way in. And all of those are phenomenal soccer teams. So I, I can't really tell you too much about the way they play other than they they tend to be short. They tend to be fast. Their possession is very good, but they don't really possess the ball. They're very, very physical. Um, they foul a lot. They're a lot of fun. That's Ecuador. Makes me just, whenever I get a chance to watch Copa America, I mean, I just love watching those tournaments and the, I mean, I know sometimes the fans and, you know, it can be a little, a little overly intense down there in South America, but, um, but the way you were just talking about that and the intensity of not, you know, nine 
countries battling for five spots. Just really good stuff. All right, Matt, you're up next. Okay, let's see where I haven't gone yet. Well, I will uh, take a look at uh, at Group D here, and uh, I will um, I will lean toward uh, I will lean toward the Danes. Uh, I will take uh, I will take Denmark out of Group D um, for no per no particular reason other than um, <laughs> you know, they're they're there they're well no i mean they're um they're one of those western european teams that um i mean if you put them in a navigable group um as group d is well except for france i mean france is obviously going to be uh a, a very tough match but if if france does not win that group um and if australia doesn't catch everybody napping I think there's a very good chance that Denmark will win the group. So, all right. Um, I am now going to go with um, <clears throat> Poland, ah. which is <laughs> which is the no, home no. of John Krasinski. Um, I, I I made that choice. I took Mexico. I I yeah yeah. I well, we'll see if I regret that. But you'll make me regret that. I think, but. Yeah, they, they got uh, Lewandowski and about 30 other guys with ski at the end of their name, just like John Krasinski. Um, some people say John is the Robert Lewandowski of Pittsburgh soccer journalism, which he is. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with Paul. <laughs> All right. This is this is where it's getting fun. You know, we're just we're just taking shots at each other. We're doing stuff so <laughs> a little bit about the teams. But um, but I think the beauty of what Mark said about Ecuador, too, like, you know, what we really don't know that much about them. But the beauty of the World Cup is this is this is the stage we get to see all these teams uh, get to see what they're all about. Um, so that leaves me with um, I think I have a. I have a B. I have a bunch, so I have a few left here. I'm going to go with, I think I'm going to, interesting, I'm going to go back down to group H and I'm going to go with another African nation. I'm going to go with Ghana. So uh, there we go. I'm going to go, my first pick here is Ghana. And my second pick will be, hmm. By the way, we are filled E, Group E, which we kind of said was might be this, the group of death, uh, though Mark kind of disagreed, but um, is full. And the only group, well, I think everything else is still pretty much open. Uh, wow. I, you know, I, I, I could go with. The only team I don't have in Group F, the only team in Group F left is Morocco. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> not yet. I have to at some point. It's sitting there uh, for me to take, but because um, everyone else take, took in group, group F, so that's no secret. But I, I, I will, um, I think I'm going to go, it's just sitting there. It's dangling in my face here. It's, it's the USA. So uh, what the hell? Why not? What the heck? USA, USA, USA. Let's go young lads from the USA. All right. What was your pick before that again? I took Ghana. Ghana, right. 
I just want to point out this is an American-based podcast, and it took 20 picks to get the United States <laughs> of America. Because we're objective. I know. I've done uh, NCAA. Not a good sign for America. I've done NCAA tournament contests like this where somebody gets a homer. There's always like a homer pit pick or something that goes even before this. Uh, U.S. was picked here. So, all right. We're wrapping back around to Jordan. I'm going to go with Wales. Um you got Gareth Bale, a lot of other players who play in the Prem. Um, not a stacked squad or anything, but uh, I, I'll, I'll root for them against England. All right, okay. Matt. Okay. Um, sort of uh, – this is mildly in the spirit of me taking Croatia as my very first pick, but um, looking, at, um, looking at Group G – um, I uh, believe this team is still on the table, so I'm going to go with the Serbs uh, in Group G. Uh, go with another Eastern European uh, side. Um, you know, let's uh, you know, let's take a chance on one of those uh, little engine that could kind of teams and see what they can do. All right, now we are down to you, Mark, for two. Yeah, we're, there's not much left here. We're right. we're moving into the I guess I have tos of the <laughs> tournament, right? That's right. Yeah. So, um, of the guess I have tos, actually, if I'm not mistaken, this is kind of surprising that they're still on the board. I know where you're going. You might. You might. I think. I think I have to pick them, even though they're not really my favorite team, and I do think they're one of these bloated European teams that lazy pundits pick because they're always good even though if you look at them this year there's nothing remarkable about them so i'm going group h and i'm going portugal they yeah. usually show up you know the match they had with the u.s um uh a couple years ago was absolutely epic it was one of the best in the 2014 world cup was one of the better matches yeah. it was that, you know that was the game it was that game and then the u.s played belgium next and like kind of burnish their legend as uh, just a, a fun team to watch every year. The U.S. always made it good. But I can't really tell you much about Portugal this year other than, you know, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo and a lot of the other old guys are, are off that team now. And so it should be really interesting to see what they bring. Uh, but I can't tell you much else other than that. All right, there goes my Group H pick, which means I'm stuck picking between Group G or group D. Now I am looking at what is left in group D and I'm very, very unhappy about it. Right. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to stay away from group D and I'm going to pick what's in group G blindly because it's well, got to be better. And the answer is, ew, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I guess I'll go Cameroon out of just a sense of no, I like... Cameroon. Oh, you took Cameroon already. Oh, I see that on the there's other side. There's only one right. team. There's Mark. There's, there's only, only one team. team. It's Switzerland. I got to go. Yep. And, you know, let me tell you everything I know about the Swiss soccer team this year. Uh, chocolate, watches, and Brill and Bolo. That's what I can tell you about they the Swiss through. soccer team. Didn't they, they, get, they got through in 18... Yeah, and they also have and they have anywhere in Brazil's group in eighteen too. They have uh, Shakiri, and they have Shaka, 
and they have Briel and Bolo. So I can actually, it, it's crazy that we get this deep into the tournament and I would still be able to name three guys on a team. That's pretty. I can't. I'm not actually impressed with any of those players, but I can name them. There, there you go. All right. We are back around the horn, Matt. Well, I will go to Group H and give some love to South Korea. Uh, the good Korea, as I like to call them. Um, <laughs> gotta, We got to give those guys some love. Uh, uh, like Mark, I, I don't know much about this particular pick beyond the fact that they've hosted this event before um they've you know played on the stage they were in a group with the americans at the time and drew them uh in a group uh in a group stage match i remember watching that one uh very early in the morning back in pittsburgh as well um so uh yeah well uh we'll, now that we're getting down to um the bottom of the barrel we'll uh we'll go to uh we'll go to the asian side of the world this time we'll go with south korea all right, South Korea for Matt. Jordan, you're up. Uh, I think I'm going to go Group A. I'm going to pick Senegal, uh, basically just because of Sayo Mane and uh, good center back in Koulibaly. Um, yeah, the, not much left. That's who I'm going to go with. All right. No, I was kind of going between Senegal and um, – trying to figure out which African nations I always know there's one or two that like to make, can make a run and they're capable. And it was very competitive um, in the African cup of nations. Um, uh, yeah. It seems like every year. So and they're always right. They're always right there. Um, so Jordan takes Senegal. So that leaves me. Um, and I know I have, a, I have a team in a that I need to pick and I have a team in D I need to pick. And I believe I have a team in F that I need to pick. So I have two coming up. Um, I'm going to go to the group that only has two picks. And I'm going to look at the Socceroos. And I'm going to go Group D. I'm going to go Australia. Oh, no, no, no. I already have I have them. I have France in, our, in Group D. So sorry. I spoke too soon. Um, and so that, I guess that leaves me with... I know. I mean, I'm stuck. I already have to take these teams. Um, so which I'll take Morocco out of group F, I guess, since I said that earlier. So Morocco it is. And for my first pick and then my second pick here, uh, looks like I am relegated to. Yeah, I guess I'm relegated to the hosts, Qatar. I'm, I'm going to root for them now on the, their opening game. Uh, against Ecuador and uh, objectively and without a doubt, the worst team in the tournament and likely the worst team ever to play in a world cup in a long time. Not, not ever in a long time since like the fifties, probably. And they, they, I will be rooting for them (laughs) passion on Sunday morning and Mark, you're going to get, you're going to get tweeted and text and, and I, until they, (laughs) until they give up a goal, then it might shut me up. Yeah, no, it's going to go badly for you on Sunday. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with uh, Tunisia. Don't know a single player, um, <laughs> but a kid on my JV team uh, has family from back home from Tunisia. Love uh, so, yeah, so I'm going to I'm going to root for him and, and his family uh, back home in Tunisia. 
Right. I mean, we're basically down to the teams that you didn't take that are those one team and left in each group. Mark, uh, Matt. Um, refresh my memory, John. Who is left on the table in Group C? Saudi Arabia. Is the last team remaining is a, a team that's in their kind of in their home territory area, and that's Saudi Arabia. Okay, that is what I uh, I was making sure my back of the envelope math was correct here, and I was keeping uh, I was following along properly. Um, I will uh, as as Qatar was just taken. I will go with Saudi Arabia and take a leap of faith and hope that one of these Middle Eastern sides is going to surprise one of us. Uh, it, it it has to happen. Uh, if a Middle Eastern country is hosting, you know why. Uh... <laughs> Pardon me. Why not now? Well, and I, if I remember correctly, the 94 World Cup, Saudi Arabia uh, was there. And I think that might have been the last time um, that they've been in a World Cup. But, uh, but to... it, yeah, and I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry. But uh, you know, Mark was just mentioning the worst team to, to play in the World Cup in a, in a while. And for some reason, it got me thinking of the the big U.S. upset of England in 1950. The Americans did that not with, like, with literal part-time players. Like, mm-hmm. these guys were mailmen and teachers and interior decorators, and, and they happened to play soccer. And, I, I mean, I, it, it got me thinking, I wonder if that could happen again. Mm. Like if if one of the like if you had a team like Qatar that was like a doctor, a lawyer, and a banker, but they also happen to play soccer. I mean, yeah, you know, could the, could that the, happen today? The Gibraltars of the world, where when right. Gibraltar plays, you know, they're like the forty seventh best team in Europe, and the, of forty seven teams, and when they play, they literally are playing with two plumbers, a carpenter, and a and a, and a part time handyman. Yeah. Like yeah. there's zero professional team players. Yeah. I love it. The Pittsburgh soccer connection there is, of course, Michael Monsoor, who took all his life savings, moved to Gibraltar, and has now the um, owner of the uh, Man- Manchester 62 in Gibraltar. So there you go. I don't know. That's all I can say about that, about Gibraltar. But All right, Mark, you. I think we wrap things up here with you. I am the final pick, and I'm stuck in Group D, and therefore I got the 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 best team in the entire tournament, France. No, just kidding; they're already taken. Um, I think I get the Socceroos, right? I think yeah, I get Australia get because I nobody else can have them. I think they're awful. I think they're an awful team this year. I think they're going to get absolutely. I, I'm, you know, I was impressed that I think Jordan, you picked Tunisia because you knew a kid who was from your team on the Tunisian team. Um, Hey, hey, hey. our friend Mac Rubba is not going to like what you're going to say, I think. But no, I just, you know, they 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 played. I mean, the Australian women's team is always really, really strong. The men's team is hot garbage on a stick. They never really get anything done. And I'm looking at the current squad this year and, um, you know, a really bad sign. There are two really bad signs when you're looking at the players of a team. Of, of a national team one is when an, an an obscene number of them play in their home country league and their home country league is not particularly impressive this one's even worse there are like a whole bunch of players who play in the australian league then there's a whole bunch of players who play for second second level kind of scottish teams right like if you have one national cap and you start and you start for a heart of midlothian Right, which I, I think is a real soccer team, but it might actually be 
something from Lord of the Rings. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, that's not oh, a great cool. sign. There's literally nobody on this team that I've ever heard of. And that's uh, there's one guy and it's Aaron Moy who used to be in the premiership and now he plays for Celtic. But this is like a, this is like 17 guys you never heard of. So good luck to Australia. You're going to lose by a lot of goals. Well, well, you know, Socceroos, that's all I could say. Hey, you know, they're a great nickname. No doubt. Four years from now, four years from now, this field is going to be much bigger. Right. You're talking about a a hot stick of garbage in as the 32nd or some team between the 26th to 32nd, um, you know, team in this field. Uh, So quality, uh, the expansion of the World Cup may not be a good thing. um, And that's a whole nother topic for another day. But just made me think of that um, as we just picked. All right. So we will uh, share all of our picks when this is post this uh, podcast is posted uh, this week. And uh, again, thanks all of you for uh, joining us. This was a lot of fun. A great way to kind of go through the field and learn a little bit at what little we do know um, about some of those teams. Um, but really it was fun to do this guys. I, I really enjoyed this and I appreciate you doing it. And um, we are uh, again, one more reminder to everybody listening that uh, Pittsburgh soccer now's coverage of the 2022 world cup is presented by the getaway bar and grill, where you can watch all U S men's national team cup games. The getaway bar and grill is open seven days a week. And for the U S uh, men's national uh, team world cup games, uh, two o'clock each time, um, they will have specials. They have a 75 cent wing uh, special and Bud Light and Bud uh, will be uh, on sale for $3 a bottle. So there, there you have it. Uh, we appreciate our partnership with the Gateway, um, I'm sorry, the Getaway Bar and Grill, our good friends over there. So uh, if you get a chance, join us. Uh, there'll be at least one of us, I think, um, will be there uh, at different U.S. men's national team games uh, for the viewing party. So we're looking forward to that. Um, guys, any final parting shots regarding the World Cup? Anything you want to just add? Go, go ahead, Matt. Well, I would just say that if I had to pick uh, a champion, I would follow the EA Sports model and go Argentina. Uh, I, I don't know if you saw... The, I the article about their official cup simulation but each of their last three have been correct they've nailed the champion i think in each of the last three tournaments um so i like argentina to continue that trend um and for a lot of the reasons that jordan mentioned earlier i mean if not now for lee messi then never you know <laughs> when um uh, and, and I think uh, he's going to be a very hard player to uh, beat when he's motivated. And his team is going to be a very hard team to beat. <laughs> the fans of Argentina are also motivated. Um, <laughs> I I read something that is uh, kind of terrible that uh, the fans literally said that they will put anyone's life in danger if they hurt Messi. So uh, <laughs> not good. Not good. Well, the fans have very strict um, – well, actually, the, the security – I don't know if you, anybody saw Grant Wall's uh, post today, but uh, just making their – fans making their way through the streets of Qatar into the stadiums uh, will have to f- make sure that they um, behave themselves, of course. But apparently, you know, despite 
all the uh, you know way people are governed and and the, the society exists in Qatar, the the fact remains that fans can pretty much do anything they want as long as they don't take their shirts off and uh, don't go too crazy um, in terms of um, some of the things they say. But uh, it seems like they, the, the fans should have some free reign in Qatar um, from what I saw, except uh, John has more faith than I do. I think well, the fans are allowed to do anything but express uh, affections or emotions towards the opposite or same sex, reveal any clothing beyond their elbows or their knees, imbibe any alcohol, bring any drugs in the country, shout excessively loud, or take too many pictures or videos of the wrong things at the wrong time. And if you go to the Grant Wall video, you'll note that he's in his, his column today, he notes that he got in trouble for taking picture of a sign on a wall that was not hmm. authorized previously by the Qatari authorities, to which, and I feel terrible that at the end of the podcast we're saying this, because I think we all agree with it, and I don't think it's particularly arguable, but this was a corrupt mistake. Qatar should never have gotten the World Cup. Um, if they make this anything short of a total debacle, many of us will be surprised because between the graft and the corruption to get it, the questionable nature of moving a summer World Cup to the winter because it happens to be 125 degrees every day in the summer, um, the fact that Qatar doesn't allow drinking or homosexuality, um, and on top of all of that, um, the fact that uh, something like 6,500 migrant workers were killed in the building of these stadiums, which no one has any idea if they'll ever be used again. This was quite the debacle of a World Cup. We are all huge soccer fans. We will watch the games. I am also a person who cares a lot about human rights, free choice, and liberal Western democracies being able to give its citizens um, a full basket of rights, which Qatar is not interested in. And so this is a pretty weird World Cup where I will watch it with half of my heart and half of my brain and condemn it and feel terrible about it with the other half of my heart and brain and donate lots of money to human rights causes at the end of it to assuage my guilt. <laughs> well, Grant Walsh, I was definitely looking at that and trying to express some of the positives and with a big, big tongue in my cheek. Um, but uh, Mark, I, I don't think you could have said it any better. I think we all, I, I certainly feel the same way. It's a very conflicting feeling uh, as we all enter this. And you know, we've all, I've listened to different media outlets and I think a lot of people feel the same way. Um, and, you know, credit to all of our journalists who are over there who are covering it objectively and will get the story and are not going to be swayed uh, or, or anything like that. So I think that's important because we want the truth uh, to be told and uh, it should be uh, as, as, as whatever transpires there. Um, we have, you know, Western journalists, uh, journalists from all over the world who will, uh, will certainly capture it. it there's no, there's going to be nothing uh, for the authorities there to hide. Um, so I, I think that's that's the, that's the one thing that will come out of all of this. And if anything does come out and uh, things happen, um, I you know hopefully our it it will be um, there for everyone to see um, what that country is truly all about and their true colors. So, but maybe they have an opportunity to 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 to, to show uh, some positives. And um, you know that's what the World Cup, that's what the Olympics are supposed to be about. And the world coming together and, and being a better place. So we'll see. 
Um, sorry, we got to turn this into a, a little bit of a, um, you know, a serious tone, but, um, you know, again, guys, guys, I appreciate your, your time. I don't know, Jordan, if you had any parting, parting uh, shots. No, yeah. I mean, um, what, what you guys all just mentioned was, was very well said. And I, I think it had to be mentioned uh, going into this world cup. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with uh, what the rabbi said saying that like, it's just unbelievable that it ended up uh, being in, in Qatar and, and that, um, you know, I know there's great people there, uh, <clears throat> but it, it is, I mean, just, just alone that statistic that over 6,000 people died uh, building this stadium. I mean, I'll be honest, if someone gave me free tickets to go and a free plane ticket to go there and watch the games, I would not. I would just turn it down. Uh, I have no interest. And, and I feel the same way. Like, I, I want to watch this World Cup so bad because who doesn't want to? But at the same time, it just it sucks. Um, <laughs> so it, well said. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I think. Well, so you wouldn't want to. I don't think I would want to spend a penny in, in the yeah. help support. Yeah. The tourism and the, the yeah, I, I mean, it's, a, yeah. It, it's analogous, I, I guess, in a way to Beijing hosting the previous uh, Summer Olympics, and they've hosted uh, uh, other or uh, Winter Olympics rather, and they've uh, they've hosted Summer Olympics before as well. You know, you, two things can be true at once. You can appreciate the spectacle of the event and you know what it is on the surface, but you can also understand, as you guys have said, that it's built on the foundation of a lie. You know, it's mm -hmm. built on the foundation of innocent people being wronged, which, um, which should be said and should be spoken uh, out against. Mm. Well said. All right, guys, thank you again. Um, really appreciate it. And it's truly fun because that's what this is all about. Soccer is, it's going to be fun and um, can't wait to enjoy it and share it all with you and with everybody in Pittsburgh and everybody around the world uh, should be a, a, a great soccer event and um, World Cup. Can't wait. 2022. It's here again. Thanks guys for joining us and uh, we'll catch you on the other side.